I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview I did with Charlotte Church as part of my In Conversation series on the W Channel. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. This podcast is brought to you by UK TV Play. Tonight I'll be in conversation with a political activist who's become a spokesperson for many of the disenfranchised. In her lifetime she's met two presidents, one pope and sold over 10 million albums since as a child star she was found to have the voice of an angel. Tonight I'll be in conversation with Charlotte Chase. Thank you. Charlotte, thanks for coming. Now, I mentioned there the, the voice of an angel. Is that like a title that's haunted you now? Uh, I don't know. I think throughout my teenagers it did my head in. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm all right with it now. I'm pretty chilled with it. I've been, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the worst tag. And then I, you know, sort of named myself Crazy Chick as well. Did um, you name yourself that? No, no. But it was the name of my single. Press thought that that was wonderful. Yeah. Just gave it to him on a plate. From Voice of an Angel to Crazy Chick. It was like... Damn, I made that way too easy for you guys. Um, but yeah, no, it's not too bad. But it's such a funny thing because I was, when we were looking at getting you on the show, I was looking at obviously how you burst onto the scene and so on. And to think now you're, you're 30 now and you were what? 12. You, you were at an age where it, 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 to actually make such a big appearance and a big change in your life, it, it changed everything from day one, didn't it? Yeah, it was a completely mental experience. Uh, and yeah, I was just chilling in Cardiff, you know, being in primary school, being a kid with my family and all the rest of it. And then, you do, know... But do, I know your auntie was a singer, but there was no other family aspirations to be in show business. Well, all of my family sing. I mean, but yeah, most of them Welsh. are like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's mostly like, you know, cabaret singers and this, that yeah. and the other. Um, so it was just in my blood, in my bones, and now all of the cousins in our family all sing as well. Like, you were coming through the ranks. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so at family parties and stuff, we never have a DJ. Everybody just gets up and has a song. But this is the thing that struck me, and I saw this clip, and I'm sure people would be familiar of it, which was, wasn't the first time you were on telly, but it was the one that really made probably the biggest difference on the John, with Jonathan Ross yeah. on the big, big talent show, yeah. it was called. Which I love, because your aunt, you were actually introducing your auntie. Yeah, I was introducing my auntie, she's fuming. I know, yeah, but you stole the show. Is precocious too strong a <laughs> No, word? I don't think so, it's pretty, yeah, pretty precocious. But, but very, very confident, I mean, you're 11 years of age, yeah. you're with Jonathan Ross, one of the biggest stars on telly, on a national television programme, you just seemed completely confident. Yeah, I was grand, I was more worried about, you know, representing my auntie. But yeah, it's ridiculous because I got a scholarship to a prep school, which was well, like a choral school at the time. So I went from being all proper Cardiff um, to immediately being like, yes, I'm a soprano. <laughs> this what makes me really laugh, my little posh accent, my tiny squeaky voice. But as a child, as an 11-year-old girl, even though you'd gone to this, this, this prep school, when you'd done something like that, then you went back to Cardiff the yeah. next day and people had seen it, 
Did it change immediately your friendship groups? Did people start going, you're a bit posh or you're a bit... No, not really. I mean, I, I think up until... And, and even, like, uh, f more into the process when I was, like, 13, 14, 15, nobody cares. Kids and teenagers are so egocentric. Mm. Uh, so it was all about, especially when I was a teenager, it was all about I come home from, like, you know, singing for the president or whatever. <clears throat> and everybody would be completely disinterested in what I'd been doing. And I was completely disinterested in what I'd been doing because it was all about, right, what's happened? Who snogged who? Yeah. You know, who was at the underage disco? What's gone on? Has anybody got pissed? <laughs> Let me know, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But that, that, that kind of journey, though, as a child, difficult anyway. You, you were doing that growing up, mm. and, and not just in the public eye of being well-known here, but also you've been taken over to the States. Did. And it, yeah, it was difficult because I was, you know, when I was 14 especially, I remember just being, like, unbelievably negative and yeah. no, and I hated everything, and I, oh, my God, I don't want to do this, and all of this sort of stuff. Um, but you still had the discipline. Because everything that I've read about you, where you were going through that phase, and you were saying, like, you're 14, you hated it, you yeah. didn't want to do it. But you can't do what you were doing by just turning up. You still had to put the rehearsal time yeah. in. So the amount of rebellion you could do was pretty limited anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, I've, I've, I have loved the music. I always loved the music. And when I was doing classical stuff, I, I got to travel around the world and sing with, like, incredible orchestras everywhere, which is an amazing feeling. The music was never a problem, and I loved that. It was all the rest of it. It was just, yeah. you know, sort of being on TV and doing photo shoots and, and travelling a lot when I just wanted to go home and snog boys and, you know, be a part of the, the whole thing that was going on, which I still did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got up to as much trouble as I possibly could. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got back out on the road. But, but when you're talking about that, that, that bit about wanting to go out and then get home and snog boys, <laughs> there was something else which... Again, I didn't even know was happening. Yeah. But there was a, a countdown going on to your your reaching sixteen. Yeah, there was to a... the, the, which I found yeah. appalling. Like that for any parent who's got a daughter and there's an internet countdown to the age that she's legally able to lose her virginity. Mm. That's such an invasion. Yeah, I know. It was it was mental, all of that sort of phase, and especially, yeah, leading up to my 16th birthday and that. So there was, like, internet countdown, and then Chris Moyles said something on Radio 1. And then I had to do a couple of interviews with Chris Moyles afterwards, and I was always just like, you dirty, horrible bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd listened to the John Peel lecture where you say... Particularly for child stars, the music industry goes through a phase where they don't want you, they almost want to strap your breast down to keep you a child. And then yeah. when that's, when, when they can't do that anymore, they want to get them out and use them to sell. Totally. There are many beautiful, gorgeous men who will class themselves as feminists and aren't chauvinistic in any way, shape, and form. But there's a lot in advertising, in the way that people live their modern lives, in the way that women are presented, which, and so much of it is just. It's in the DNA pool, do you know what I mean? And we have to start to, to look at it. And so there are lots of men that I know who would class themselves as feminists but still just say the odd, silly things that they think are completely inconsequential. Um, and then, but also, lots, but because women have become so used to it as well, and because, unfortunately, nowadays, young girls are becoming so mm. used to it, that it's just the accepted form of behaviour. So well, I think we need to just, just take a minute and step back and keep, 
keep, you know, looking at this. And, and but I, the music yeah. industry, with the access that it that it has into the lives, particularly of young teenage girls, mm. has got a, a special responsibility. And again, coming back to your comments when you did the John Peel lecture, some of the if you like, the stars of the industry now seem to have not learned that lesson. We've got a couple of stills of, like, like Miley Cyrus. That is at a concert. That's Miley Cyrus with a strap on. Yeah, now, but, I, but that's subversive. I prefer that. I prefer, and also, Miley Cyrus, at the moment, seems to be having a ball. So in that John Peel lecture, I went pretty hard on Miley Cyrus because it was just after the MTV thing mm. where she came, she came out with loads of teddy bears and it was all very confused and she had the foam finger and Robin Thicke was there being a complete twat. And I just... And, and so, yeah, at that time, I was just like, do you know what, that's not all right, Miley, you're a role model, you're this, you're that and the other. But you know what, actually, she's exploring some things in the same way that maybe Madonna did and that's far more empowering than endless uh, videos of, you know, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, uh, Iggy Azalea, you know, just... And they're being perfect and completely sexual most of the time, you know? At least that's playful, you know? Do you feel so? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it might be shocking and it might be like, oh, my God, she's come out with a massive strap-on. There's probably loads of kids in the audience. I mean, I wouldn't say it was massive. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that was average, to be honest. <laughs> but I think I think that's I think that's far more subversive. And then, but she also she talks a lot about gender fluidity, and she's got lots of different causes with yeah. LGBT, and so she's she's all right, man. I like Miley. Well, you changed. I know I have, but that that I did that talk two three years ago. But that I'm I mean, constantly changing fine. my opinion. I know, and, and, I, and I get that, and I think it's fine. I think the difficulty is 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 the assumed responsibility that you put on somebody. Totally. So, so like in my position here, I saw that, and we've got other pictures of Miley Cyrus uh, where you would go, well, that, that's that's a little bit too sexualized. That's revealing too much. I thought that was. I can see what you're saying about it being subversive, but I also thought it was it was a step too far. If I was in, if I was in the audience and I took my ten year old daughter to go and see Miley Cyrus because she likes Hannah Montana and she yeah. likes the records, and she comes out with a big phallus on, I'd, that, I'd be going. Pfft. Yeah, but in my mind, that's your job as a pit. That she's an artist. Whatever you think of her music, whatever, she's an artist, and I think more and more she's becoming actually. Quite, in, quite an interesting artist, I'd say. Mm. So I'd say that would be your job as a parent, to have a look. Have a look what it's going to be like. But so, how can I have a look before I've gone? Because the, you've got the internet. But I know what you're saying, but again, it's that thing where... I, and, I, and I fully appreciate it. There's the developments as an artist, and I suppose there's the, the, the point where you are developing as an artist that you move away from the audience that you've got. Mm. And, you know, and, and again, with that. Miley Cyrus is probably a closer example to you than anyone else in the fact that you've had an angelic kind of child figure mm. and then you want to become something else. Yeah, and but of course, then, you know, you have got people who are transitioning from child star and then when you get to a certain age, yeah, you start having sex and you start to become a sexual being and part, but you are also a public person and you're also an artist or whatever. So you've got to be creative with that. And so some of the time... Yeah, you're going to want to explore that avenue. You don't necessarily understand what it's going to mean for you 
what, you know, that that actually takes you quite far away from art a lot of the time and mm. makes you a commodity. But we, what we need to do, if we're looking at girls, you know, in the public eye it's in, at such intense, you know, levels and scrutinising so much, we need to look at boys in the same way. This podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf alongside other UK TV Play exclusive including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries and paranormal TV, all for free. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There was a backlash against something else that I've read about you when you were when you were in America one time and you were in New York and there was comments that were that you were in, in an interview and the Sunday Times ran a story that you said derogatory things about firefighters and so on mm. after 9/11 and that's when you became, I suppose, in many respects, persecuted by people over there. Yeah, I mean it was uh, uh, Murdoch's paper. Uh, and the, they just did a proper number on me. I was about 15. Nobody used to sit in, like, for the record company or, or whatever, in interviews with me, because I could do it. I've been doing it for years, and I was totally fine. And so he was asking me loads of stuff about 9-11, about what I thought, and I said something about... Because the two firefighters as presented from 9-11 had presented an award at the Soap Awards in the UK, and I just said something like I thought it demeaned their heroism for what they'd done, thought they were being used, you know, mm. to present a Soap Award. Um, and so, and he he just flipped about everything that I'd said, this journalist, and just did, like, a, a, just a really bad, horrible, horrible piece, just talking about how much of a complete arsehole I was. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and then it went over to, like, the New York Post, and then it went over to America, and, again, I had lots of death threats and stuff then. So, you know, where somebody... And I don't know why they were trying to do a hatchet job on me in the first place, because... I'd never say anything in the context that you know that he put it in. Yeah, I but, said but, but certain things. But were you things. 15? I know. Are you talking <laughs> to an adult? Yeah. A grown man? Yeah. Supposedly a trained journalist, supposedly writing for a reputable news organisation, i.e. the Sunday Times, and it goes over to, to New, the New York Times yeah. as well. Like, like, the bit that I couldn't get my head around is, I don't know how old he was, but maybe he's got daughters, maybe he's got kids. Why mm. would you talk? What does that say about that individual, let alone the organisation? I really don't know, but I'd imagine, and you know, and that was the start of a prolonged, um, uh, horrible time with all the Murdoch's papers. And so I, I don't know. I don't know why they just flipped. Um, but I mean, it started when I had a court case with my manager when I was about fourteen. 
And it started with that, and then they they all sort of, all of the press, it wasn't just Murdoch's papers, to be fair, but all of the press started saying, you know, that my, you know, my calling my mother the Welsh dragon and this, that and the other. They said that she was trying to control everything, which totally wasn't true. I was just like, if I have to work with that dude again, I'm not going to ever sing, so <clears throat> we have to get rid of him. Um, so that's when the press started this to was, turn. this was the person who, who took it on right at the beginning? yeah. And so the relationship, because again, the way, without knowing you closely, you're looking at things, and the way it's always been portrayed is that your mum was very much involved in your management. <coughs> my mum was like, um, she was my PA. Yeah. Um, and I she think was... most mums feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, like, you know, thought that was her job title. Yeah. But she just travelled around with me and made sure that I was all right. And when we went to Japan and there was, like, crazy schedules and they had me working from, like, 6am till 8pm at night... She'd be like, no, 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 yeah. you can take the majority of that out. She's got to do a three-hour tuition a day. Um, so she just came round and, and looked after me, and I would, legally I would have had to have a chaperone. So my mother did it, of course she did. Yeah, of course. Um, and she was your mum, she was looking yeah. after you, making sure you're getting but she wasn't... an education, which was good, because yeah. you got you know, straight A's and GCSEs, didn't yeah. you? so it worked in that respect. Yeah, totally. Um, but, I, you know, going back to your previous question, I don't know why it turns. But I think, you know, for child stars, they always have to have a narrative. There's mm. always got to be this, you know, spectacular downfall. And if that wasn't happening in reality, then they had to try and create it, to create that narrative. But did you feel like a child star? Did you know? I knew, yeah. Did you know how special you were? Well, I wouldn't say special, but I knew exactly what was going on. Why, why wouldn't you say special? Well, you know... Silly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, I knew exactly what was going on, but I suppose for me personally, like I always just had a sense of perspective. None of it ever really mattered to me, and I enjoyed what I enjoyed, and I didn't enjoy yeah. what I didn't enjoy, and I knew what an incredible opportunity it was, and I think that's why I've managed to sort of stay sane because I haven't got caught up in it all, and I haven't got caught up in all the bullshit, whether it's negative or positive. I just sort of go, well, that's nice. You know, yeah. well, that's not nice. But there must have been, I suppose, uh, a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a honeymoon period, but a less confused period when it was all going well. It was an amazing roller coaster, but yeah, right from the get go, it was like, okay, this isn't, you know, fame's not as rosy as it seemed. Yeah. Um, obviously, there, there was lots of phone hacking and stuff going on at that time. That was like one of the worst times. Um, so the, the, the phone hacking that was going on then revealed itself later, you just didn't know. Didn't have a clue. And we'd always joke and say stuff like, I swear they've got listening devices, I swear they're listening into stuff, because this is insane. But then also you're looking at everybody in your close circle of friends, even in, at family, and going, was it you? Have you said something? Have you, have you got more money? Is, do you know what I mean? So you I, do yeah, get, this little, ask, what, what, get this paranoia thing what and then... Was, what was it like when you, you're there? Because you, you talk about Cardiff and your friends, and I'm assuming that you've had the same friends that you've had for forever. Yeah. You know, since you were a kid. When mistrust enters that inner circle, how do you actually learn to trust anyone? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm nowadays open and trusting probably to a fault, but I don't see it like that. I just see it as the only way to be, because the alternative is not fulfilling. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily difficult to trust people, you just end up doubting. 
Yeah. And then there was a couple of people, there was a couple of my, my friends or, you know, on the outer edges of my friends that I thought, mm, not sure about you, not sure about you. So I'd plant stories with them, fake stories. So I'd be like, oh, I've just come back from America and I'm doing a duet with Alicia Keys. And then he'd be in the sun. And then I'd be like, right, rooted you out, motherfucker. Really? Yeah, off you go. <laughs> yeah. But that only happened about twice. But, yeah, so we used to joke about the idea that but, they were listening in and stuff, yeah. but had no idea that they actually were. I really had no idea of the depth of it. Not until you do something like we're doing this show. So mm. I said, right, I want to have a look at... At the, at the press coverage, what it was, mm. the volume of it and the extent of it is, is... When you see it as one collection, it's horrendous to it's think ridiculous. that happened to one person, I particularly to, to a teenager. Yeah, totally. I mean, when going through the stuff for, for the Leveson Inquiry and that was... Oh, it was painful and it was arduous because it was, like, a massive file from just one paper and the extent of intrusion and having to dredge back all that back up and all the betrayals and all, you know, stuff did that you, my parents you, had to go through. Did you forgot or do you moved on? Did you realise yourself how much... No. How much because because every day... Because you're in it, aren't you? Yeah, and because it was pretty much every day, it was constant, then you, you can't really hold on to it yeah. that much because you know there's going to be some more shit the next day um, or the next week or... Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, at the time when I heard about the Leveson Inquiry and my lawyers uh, said, do you want to be a part of this? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the injustices that I've seen for myself, for my family, and actually for lots of other people, you know, when j just seeing stories and seeing how they've twisted, you know, even if it's like people who are victims of crime and, and that's when it gets really dark. Um, how they can manipulate and make people's yeah. lives complete hell. Um, then I thought I have to, I have to stand up and I have to fight this because I, I know this is so unjust. It's so wrong. What's what they've been doing and how they've been just making money from it. It's just, it's all about money. So when the Leveson inquiry came, did you feel a sense of empowerment in numbers when you real, you know, other people were joining and then you, you, you got them involved with the Hacked Off campaign? Yeah, absolutely, I did. And, you know, I, I met lots of different types of people who had suffered at the hands of the press in different ways, whether it was people who were involved in the Hillsborough disaster, um, whether it was somebody like Christopher Jeffries. Um, there were lots of different, different people that I met um, who were talking about their own experiences and how they'd suffered. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was empowering for a time uh, to know that there were a lot of us that were fighting it. But then you look at what has happened subsequently and how mm. the government have put in literally none of Leveson's recommendations. Yeah. We've got Ipso now, which is as toothless as the PCC ever was, um, which is the Press Complaints Commission. Um, so, and Rebecca Brooks is back, back in a higher position in News Corps than she was. So it does feel a bit like a bit of a kick in the teeth, but got just got to keep fighting really can't just take it lying down and go oh well that didn't work and you've said that it was the Leveson inquiry that made you realize that you you've got to get out and, and make a stand but you know what i mean <clears throat> it was the depth of corruption that i that i started to understand through the Leveson inquiry and how close the press and the poli and, and government were and how close the police and the press were and just starting to understand the levels of corruption that go on. And then when the Conservatives got in again, 
I just thought, oh, shit, this is going to be so bad for so many people. And I just think it's an awful state of affairs, ferocious capitalism, and it's not sustainable, and we need to start... You know, we're at a level, you know, in the world now with the, with the internet and the amount of information and the amount of education that we can educate ourselves, that we need to stand back and have a little look at how we want to do this, how we want to progress, mm. what sort of society do we want to be. We should be asking these sort of questions rather than, oh, my God, the size of Kim Kardashian's ass, is it real, is it not? You know, what sort of society do we want to be? Do we want to be the sort of society that, you know, that it's survivor of the fittest? Where you let the people who can't fend for themselves die off or, you know, be in poverty? Or do we want to look after people? Because I, I want to look after people. That seems to be the right thing to do. That's what I want to do. Naturally, that's, you know, as a human, I think that's what we should do. Um, but there seems to be people who don't agree with that, who think that, you know, by but helping people... And I suppose it goes back to this whole thing, and this is what I also think with, with, you know, education and raising my children. It goes back to the idea of the carrot and the stick. The carrot is, is, is going to get better results every single time. It might take longer, it might be a bit more frustrating, but if you give people enough love and encouragement, they're going to flourish as soon as you start, you know, and it's all about the stick. And that's the whole conservative's mantra, you know, people pull themselves up by their bootstraps, you give them too much help and they have no, they have no wants, they have, you know, to do anything or to make life, their lives better. Um, and and I, I just fundamentally disagree with that ideology. Every, every person that we get on the show, we always ask them to bring a photograph, something that means something to them. Yeah. Can we see Charlotte's pictures? You can explain them. <laughs> Yeah, I got so they, I had to have two because I got two kids, and if, if there would have been one of them and they look back on this, then there would have been murder. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the one with me with the scarf wrapped around my head is when my little girl, so obviously she's my firstborn, and she was tiny, um, and I was being Earth Mother there. And then the other one's my little fella. I, I've, ch I've chosen ones where you can't see their faces, I try and keep, you know, keep them mm. as anonymous as possible. But yeah, I just thought, you know, they're the most important things in my life. Um, I've got other, you know, boring celebrity photos and stuff which have been shown a million times, but, yeah, I just no. thought well, I'd bring those. Well, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And looking for the future, what future would you like for them? <sighs> it depends how the world goes, man. I hope... I want them just to be, you know, kind, empathetic people who can connect with other people and find as much... Um, joy and intensity and enjoyment as possible, really. Do they understand who you are? A bit. Like, if people... Sometimes if we're out and people come up and say, can I have a photograph or can I have a selfie? Ruby's like, oh, God, they give me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be rude, babes. Um, so a bit, but not really. But Ruby's about eight or, or nine now, so not far away from the age where your life changed. Yeah, and that's mental, thinking of it like that. And sometimes I look at it and I think, goodness me, yeah, it's crazy. Because that will be strange as well, because for most kids, they never get a chance to watch their own parent growing up. Yeah. Because your kids will get a chance to do that. Yeah, I know, and it's terrifying. Can you imagine, can imagine all imagine the am ammo they're going to have against me as teenagers? <laughs> Every time they come in late and you go, eh, they go, oh, 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 yeah. look at that, Mum. <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, look, look exactly what you were doing. You hypocrites. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, listen, I, I didn't know what to, to think, having never met you before. And, and as I say, when you do a show like this, you do research, you start building a picture of somebody. And I knew that this would be what it's become. Mm. It, it's been, I've really enjoyed this as a conversation. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlotte Chair. Thank This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.